This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. And now, Janice Graham. And good evening and thank you for being here with us in the premiere of Mkutano, Wednesday open night. Mkutano means assembly and that's what we are doing tonight at Our Common Ground on this Wednesday night. We are calling it OCG Wednesday Night Open Mic. And to get started, uh, our number is 347-838-9852 if you want to write it down. 347-838-9852. One of the things we're doing with this broadcast is to ensure that as we go forward, there are so many issues, and two hours really doesn't allow us to explore the issues and the problems and considerations that we need to make around us um, fully uh, in a two-hour, especially when we have guests who are trying to help us formulate perspectives and ideas about those problems. So here at Our Common Ground on Wednesday night, what we're going to try to do is provide an opportunity to expand your participation in this program. Um, And we hope that uh, you will let your friends, allies, and comrades know that um, we are now doing a Wednesday night broadcast, which is an open mic broadcast, and um, it does not replace our regular Saturday night broadcast. We will be 
uh, right here on Saturday night uh, coming up uh, with um, our regular broadcast. And for those of you who might want to write it down at 10 o'clock on Saturday night, we will be joined by Dr. Ron Daniels. He is has he is and has been an uh, our common ground voice since 1985. He's a veteran social and political activist. He was an independent candidate for president of the United States in 1992. He's a prolific essayist and commentator. He has a weekly column, uh, Vantage Point, which appears in numerous black and progressive newspapers and websites. He is the founder and president of the Institute of the Black World 21st Century, a progressive African-centered, action-oriented resource center dedicated to empowering people of African descent and of marginalized Communities. He is the administrator. He serves as the administrator uh, for the uh, National African American Re- Reparations Commission (NARC). Uh, the <clears throat> the Institute of the Black World has emerged as a leading organization within the United States and global reparations movements, and they have a ten point reparations program that we're going to talk with Dr. Daniels about on uh, next this coming up Saturday. I hope that you will join us. For Open Mic Night, our number is 347-838-9852. And you will recall that in our program on Saturday, Zero Tolerance for Police in Schools Defending Our Children, our guest was Zakia Sankara Jabbar. She is the preeminent voice activist advocate uh, for educational and educational administration reform, police police defending our children against police presence in schools. She is the co-founder of Racial Justice Now. She's currently the advocacy director for Brightbeam. And she has agreed to um, join us tonight uh, to continue our conversation. We were getting into some real deep stuff about black male, female relationships, what's going on with uh, the uh, a rupture. Uh, a gender rupture uh, on certain social platforms, uh, mostly around people who are in the academy. And so we welcome her back, Zakia Sankara Jabbar. She is on board. How are you, sister? How are you doing tonight? Greetings, sister. I am well. Happy to be back with you and your listeners, and hope we can um, engage a few more callers tonight. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, it, it's very hard after 
um, I'm 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 in my almost in my second year of retirement, and I had promised myself that for one year, I would give my brain and my body a rest uh, from professional pursuits. But I'm starting to get stir crazy in terms of having very specific kinds of goals. So I, I've been hyping up new hobbies. Bread baking is my newest hobby. <laughs> and of course awesome. I, I, I chose it uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time finding flour um, and yeast, and I was buying it where I could find it online, and right now I have probably around 50 pounds of flour in my house because uh, the truckers and everybody that delivers that stuff to stores have now um, (laughs) caught up with themselves, and probably around 10 pounds of yeast. So today, and it made me feel really good, uh, I conquered the recipe for uh, jalapeno peppers and cheese artisan bread. So I'm feeling good. How about you? How, wow. How's it going out there on the, on the, on the, on the war front? Oh, Lord. Where do I begin? <laughs> Listen. I know because this is, is not your, your is. this is your second forum of the day. I know that. Yeah, I'm always on the front lines. I have been working since I rolled up out of the bed this morning, and uh, I will tell you the war front is um it's uh it's taxing, but this is what we do. And I was inspired. I'm so glad you brought up the other conversation, but I'm, I'm inspired by um, you, uh, you know, and other uh, uh, black women and black elders in general who've been fighting this fight much longer than me. Um, You all have so much wisdom um, that you can share and impart uh, to younger uh, activists as uh, as myself. And so I I had an opportunity to host uh, one of my movement mamas, Helen Moore, out of Detroit, Michigan, 83 years young, 83 years young, and she has been um, on the front lines of uh, the racial and education justice movement literally for decades, longer than I've even been alive, and I'll be 40 uh, next year. So I um, I had an opportunity to talk with her. You know, they won a couple of uh, big uh, cases. The most recent uh, was announced last month was actually a literacy case, if you will, that uh, says that the children of Detroit have a constitutional right to literacy. Can you believe we still fighting literacy cases in 2020, BJ? Yes, yes. You know what I mean? It's 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 uh it's uh. I think so when we you can talk go about into every war, city in this country. That's right. And that's right. Strike that challenge. That's right. That's right. And and it's and it's um. And so the war front is 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 um is tiring, but we must do it because, as Mama Helen said on the phone, we have to look in the faces of our children, and that has to give us the energy, all the energy we need to continue this fight. We have got mm-hmm. to fight for our babies, and that's that's literally what gives me energy every day, uh, even when I'm well, ready you know, to throw in the towel. 
Because this yeah, is a formidable it, 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 opponent. This is a formidable yes. beast that yes. we're dealing with. Honey. Yep, and you will be at 70, which is my age. Mm-hmm. You will look up one day and say, oh, my God, I have spent my entire adult life in this yep. fight, and this war is not over. That's right. You know, and people don't realize, and and I do want to talk to you about this, um, that we're living in Trump America, which has put America 50 years back. Exactly. We have lost 50 years of progress in redefining, reshaping what democracy with power and money can be. We aren't perfect. We have some formidable impediments. But now we are living in Trump America. And you know what? I was thinking that at one time I was concerned about the rise of belligerent, infantile, entitled, ignorant, white people being placed on par with real expertise and being given authority and control. But I think today, as I look out, that what we the problem now is we have angry, politicized mental illness being put on par with sanity. Exactly. Exactly. I, and, I, and, and I, I go ahead. I, I just can't imagine. It's a lot, and that's what we're dealing with, and 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 that's why I think it's so important that you and I are continuing to have this conversation because and I and you know I think you know it's important for us to go back to this issue around law enforcement, and we're 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 catching hell in Maryland. We're catching hell in Maryland right now. Uh, several reports. We got a state school board member was reported uh, yesterday. You got two uh, state school board members out of um, Howard and Charles County who want to do a positive PR campaign about why police are so wonderful to be in the schools. But here's the other piece. Mm-hmm. Here's the other piece. The data says where I live in Montgomery County, Maryland, while black children, including my two, make up one fifth of the student population, they make up half of the arrest. Half of the arrest. Mm-hmm in Montgomery County mm-hmm. Public Schools. And so now I'm having conversations with people who want to do this slow roll when it comes to getting the police out of schools. We're not in a slow roll moment because what's happening is, is across the country is that the police is the uh, enforcement arm, is the military arm of white supremacy. And so y'all think that it's okay to have these people around our children? We're not going to even get on. We, we're not even broaching the topic of racist and white supremacist teachers yet that's killing the spirits of our babies. We're not even talking about that yet. We're fighting y'all to get y'all from being able to actually pull a trigger and take the actual physical life of our babies. I had uh-huh, to, I, uh-huh. I, I'm sorry, I got to share with you, but I had to really go in a little bit on a call earlier today because you have some moderate uh, people who said, well, you know, it's just, you know, we got to wait for the day. We got to wait for this and, you know, and all this other kind of thing and this. I said, excuse me, excuse me. 
What gives you the assumption that the data is going to be any different for black children than it was in 2018? Because the, the, yes. the, the, the comments that they were making was that, well, we don't have any race, recent data, and we want to make sure that we're acting on recent data. We're going to act on, we're going to act on what we're going to act on now because we got the data. Y'all never move on it. And we also got the stories of students and families and parents who have been impacted by police and schools in a negative way. Now mm-hmm. we see mm-hmm. it with a report that just came out uh, in the Bethesda Beat, will probably be picked up by the Washington Post at some point, that black children in Montgomery County public schools make up half of the arrest. And so basically what these people are saying is that they have internalized that black people and black children are savages and need to be tamed by cops. And we need these people to just say that instead of saying, well, let's take a slow pro, a, a slow roll approach. I had to bring up the fact that Martin Luther King talked about y'all when he wrote a letter in the Birmingham jail. You know that, right? He talked about yeah. people like y'all. And so <laughs> this is, I'm serious. I said it. Yeah, yeah. And I said, this is not, this is not what we're going to do. We're, I'm sorry, but we can't do that. As a mother and as an advocate, I can't do that. That's not okay with me. Do you understand? Okay. That's not okay. And so, and so now we're seeing, uh, you know, where there are some people, I would have to say, in the community that are interested in moving much quicker, that are interested in moving much faster. And, um, and so I'm, I'm excited, you know, that that is happening as well. So we, 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 yeah. we're going to keep yeah. working on the same. And we're not going to give and, up. And I mirror that with what happened in the Senate today, that right. the Senate Democrats walked away from Tom Scott. I know his name is Tim, but, you know, okay. I know. I um, <laughs> from Senator, from the, the white people's senator proposal that did not provide. This is after America watched with their own eyes, and I don't have, and I don't think there are anybody. There's anybody out there that has lion eyes, no chokeholds. A proposal that, that didn't deal with chokeholds at all. No ban on chokeholds. No ban on qualified immunity, and no ban on no knock warrants. In right. other words, so what's the point? That proposal allows more George Floyds, more Breonna Joneses, more Eric Gardners, more Tamir Rice's, more more of everything. And then they want to study it. And see, we fall for that. And they want to study. They want to form all these committees and committee us to death and courageous conversation us to damn death. Yeah. No. And 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 it's the same that. response on this program in 1985. I began a campaign in Palm Beach County Schools which reported today that black students are being disciplined at a higher rate by 80% than white students. But in 1985 I was saying the same thing, organizing parents, parents uh, who whose children had become victims to those policies, and it was doing well. I left. 
I'm coming back and I'm seeing the same thing. And they have had a hundred and some forums about it. Mm-hmm. So we can't be lulled into prettying up. And I really uh, applaud uh, Cory, uh, Senator Cory Booker and Senator Kamala Harris in the way that they set them straight on this um, and said, we're not going to accept anything less. Let the American people deal with the people who won't support a bill that addresses the problem. Mm-hmm. So I, I hear you. It, it becomes very frustrating. And I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to let black folks know that they are aligning themselves with the support of continuing white supremacy institutionalized in schools. I think we have to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to call their names. We have to say, you you know, I don't know who you've been talking to. I'm all about it. Yep, I, I'm I all just, about calling the name and 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 actually holding people's foot to the fire. If you are black and you are on the school the board in 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 the county that I live in, there are three blacks on the school board. Mhm. And yep. there are there there is a black superintendent, but there are 215 police officers in schools. That right. is not a formula. That is not an equation that we should tolerate. Guess Zakia, how much they spend on SROs in schools where I live? Three million. Uh huh. Now, now, what can they do with that money? They people always tell me we don't have enough resources for this and enough resources for that. We asking for restorative justice coordinators. Take that three million and hire some transformative and restorative justice coordinators and community intervention workers to work with these babies in these schools. Exactly, and, and stop accepting top. the idea that there that you know it it always comes down to it always comes down to that we uh, somehow collaborate with people trying to characterize our children as bad children. Oh, they got to do something about them bad children. Mhm. That's that's it. That's what they always say. Yep. Yep. We're going to go to the phones. Our number is 347-838-9852 because all of the, uh, you know, y'all need to settle yourselves, (laughs) find a place. Uh, All of the feedback that I got back from from last Saturday's show was there was not enough time and I didn't take callers. I took all the callers I got. So we're going to go to, and, and, and here's, here's, here's the notion, folks. Open mic doesn't mean you get to get on the microphone and make your speech about something that we're not talking about. Mm-hmm. You don't get to change the agenda. No, You don't it. get to don't do get that. If you're calling in to talk with us, call in to talk with us. You got a question, put it in form. So here here we are. Uh, we've got Alpha at seven seven three. Alpha, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Oh, good evening, Janice, and good evening. Good evening, Alpha. 
uh, I lived here in Chicago. I've been in Chicago all my life, 67 years. I used to be a part of the problem, but not to this extent. Our schools, from high schools to the um, six through eight, the hallways, the classrooms are like a jungle. No, I'm not advocating bringing in more police. I'm advocating sending those police to those parents' homes to find out what the hell is wrong with these children. And I got to tell you, I gave up the fight, fighting for these kids because my children are 50, 52, and 49. And I got to say, the only thing that's kept me in the ball game is my grandchildren because I began to have to wife. I, I got 12 of them, so I had to begin to watch them. And now I got great grandbabies, so I got to fight for them. There is you can a, tell the audience how many great grandchildren you have because I know. I got 26. Damn, that's an army. 26 great grandchildren. And uh, last, in the last four months, we've added six. So I get to look in the baby's faces constantly. And I can't leave this fight up to anybody else. So I try to continue this battle and drag the parents along, keeping the screen. But 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 here's the problem. Here's the problem, Alpha, and I'll let Zakia respond to you as well. The kids who are having trouble in are creating trouble in school are kids who need intervention. And police don't offer intervention. They only have so many um, intervention strategies in their arsenal. And they have been told their job is law enforcement. And that doesn't fit children having problems at school or creating problems at school. It doesn't fit administrators, principals, teachers who don't have the skills, uh, both assessment skills and intervention skills. And I'll let Zakia respond. So uh, send it, I mean, we're, at this point, even on domestic violence issues, it's hard for me to see sending police in people's in black people's homes because it I never say, turns out well. It never turns out well. No, I, 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 I'm going to say basically the same thing. I, I'm, 
I'm disheartened, you know, to hear, uh, you know, that we still think that police is a safe intervention for black people when we know they have the legal authority and qualified immunity to kill at will and to kill without consequences, particularly black people. Um, and, And I'm also disheartened that we don't have a vision or a futuristic approach where we know how to reimagine safety. And I think is I would be remiss not to uh, bring up the fact that police have not always been in school. It's a very recent phenomenon. And the other piece is if you are having young people who are exhibiting uh, behaviors that are troubling, I can guarantee you that you also have a parent, uh, you know, who are, who is also uh, in some in in some in some trouble and need some support. We got to get away from criminalizing any people in our community because if you don't have a systems approach, if you don't understand that we have systems that are conspiring every single day, uh, that are that are just steeped with anti-blackness throughout the education system, throughout the healthcare system, you know we've got to stop blaming the victim. We've got to stop blaming the victim. Now, of course, black people have agency, and of course, black people have the power to uh, do the best that they can to rise above to rise above it all. And those of us that have done that, we're miracles. Let's be honest about that. We are miracles. The fact that black people are still alive after centuries of Tuskegee experiments, okay, after centuries of chattel enslavement and uh, Jim Crow and Jane Crow, mass incarceration, okay, we're still here. So I think we need to learn how to give a little grace to some of us who have not figured out a way to deal with this thing uh, in a way that doesn't call other people's harm. Hurt people hurt other people. And so to me, we have to have an approach that deals with young people, especially our children, in a way that's still loving, in a way that we're not uh, dogging them out, calling them names, and in a way that we damn sure not going to call the police on them and, 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 unless it's something that's really egregious, uh, like, like a murder or some things like that. But we know that, that those kind of things are not necessarily happening in schools. And I would be remiss not to mention when we hear about school shootings, it's not our kids, damn it. It's not our kids. But you don't see, I'm serious, you don't see this school policing and criminalization criminalizing the kids that are actually going into school shooting them up now. And and, and even those children need some help is what I'm trying to say. Any kid who can pick up a gun and go into a school and shoot up multiple people was a kid that was in distress. What we're arguing and what I'm arguing uh, specifically is that we need to have preventative measures in place. We need to have systems where we can support children who are exhibiting signs that they're in crisis. And that's, that's through culturally competent mental health care, mental wellness support. Schools need to be safe havens for not just the educators, but for the students as well. They need to be safe havens in communities that are unsafe. We live in food deserts, black people do in this country, y'all. Come on now. We get the, we get the worst health care. You got black women, even black women who got PhDs and JDs and upper middle class dying during childbirth disproportionately. So we got to deal with this thing, and we got to deal with it in a way that we have grace for our people and that we start to have an approach where we're reimagining what public safety can really mean. And it doesn't mean mass incarceration. We try mass incarceration, and are we still safe? You know how much money that they spend on the police in Baltimore? 
Do you want to know how much money they spend on the police in Chicago and they still ain't safe? We need to do something different because doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of insanity. Well, you know, there's another, pardon me, Alpha, I didn't hear you. We just had another record number of shootings this past Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day. Uh, They shot 109, killed 14, including three children. It's, uh, but but it's that like that speaks fight. to that That's speaks to two exactly yeah yeah. Amos Wilson speaks- wrote a whole book about this in the nineties. The man been dead almost thirty years. This is not new. This is the thing. This is not new. What we don't have though is people who are in positions of power, you know, willing to do to to have the political will to implement the tools and strategies that we know what that we know that works. And you want to know what works? I tell people all the time, we need a comprehensive jobs and entrepreneurship program for the the number one unemployed in these cities. Those are black men. Now now am yes. I lying or am I flying? Are the unemployed people out here the ones that's causing the issues? So what's the problem in creating a jobs program? taking that money, divesting it from the police. Again, that's a preventative measure. And the other piece is, again, you got to see the humanity in these young men. If you don't see the humanity in them, then you want them to kill each other and you want to be able to lock them up. Now, that's just the end of it. Either we're going to have, we're going to see the humanity in these uh, uh, young black folks, young black and brown folks and indigenous folks on reservations, or we're not. Because that, to me, that's what it comes down to. This country as a whole spends more money on the military than other uh, G8 countries combined. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And you cannot uh, use the military and think in terms of of, of militarizing the police and think that creates safety. That's the opposite of creating safety. We've got to interrogate the ideas that other people are implementing into our psyche of what safety means. Well, you know, and and, and then there's the added characteristic that has been added to the police department over the last 25 years, and that is that they are a military strategic post. The other is, and I think this is something that black people really have to start thinking about, is, is who, you know, even in serve and protect, who are we hiring in these police departments? And ever since uh, the jobs program for American veterans coming out of Afghanistan and the Middle East, we have had a veteran's preference in our police departments across this country to hire people coming out of war. And they mm-hmm. don't have the skills to protect and serve. They only right. know how to extract war tactics in the work that they do. Mm-hmm. But 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 uh, exactly Zakia right. and Alpha, I want to go back to the to to Alpha's point about how you have a hundred and twenty five. Um, shootings in one city Mm -hmm. in one weekend. Mm -hmm. One part of that is how how guns get on the street. 
Yeah, but because the other part of this, and I, don't I, manufacture I, guns. That's right. And the the other part of it is that we now have a generation or two of black people who believe that somehow they can speak with guns. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I I do a lot of reading on on Instagram. I don't do a lot of posting on Instagram. But one of the things that I see is lots of discussions among young black men, especially in 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 uh, on uh, in in their discussions about guns. It's like they're obsessed with guns. Is another one is another penis for them or something. I'm 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 not sure how that kind of culture seeped into this generation of of young black men who think that somehow gun gives them guns give them power gives them you know they are comparing the guns and who had a good gun and who had a bad gun and who had a i mean it it's and i think it comes out of and i know you all going to criticize me for saying this this obsession with video games the obsession with violent rap and hip hop. Oh, I'm not gonna criticize you. That's valid. I, I, I'm not gonna criticize you at all. That's very valid. The music, Minister Farrakhan, been talking about that. He's talked mm-hmm. about that that the, the the music and the lyrics and how we disrespect black women in the music, but that thing is commercial. You know, and they make it commercial. It's all over the country. It's all over the world, yep. and it and it portrays a certain image. Of black people, it's it's extremely problematic. No, I'm I'm mm-hmm. not in the clouds on that. Yeah, I don't play video yeah. games, and I actually don't allow my children uh, to play video games uh, for that very reason. In terms of the violent video games, now there's like you know the basketball and the football that my son will will play, yeah. but in terms yeah. of the violent video games, I've never been into that. My son. Well, um, I think my, I think we have never to have... owned a system. I think we have to carve out a solution of how you break that particular feature uh, of culture, gun culture, in in the black community, and that's how you solve that, Alpha, I think. Well, I wouldn't say the gun culture is just the black community. Really, if you think about it, gun culture no. is Americanism. Yeah. Oh yeah, but but oh, how yeah. do you get when you, when you how see do you, people who are fighting for their Second Amendment rights? You don't see black folks uh, running up uh, to 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 these state houses like they did in Michigan last month with their guns, or they did yeah, in but Virginia. You, but you see the hundred and twenty-five in Chicago, as Alpha has po- uh, um, pointed out, and somehow there is a subculture to that going on. Right. Well, not just not just the subculture. At age sixty-seven, I had a gun when I was thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to come and go to it allowed me to come and go to school in eighth grade in a school uh, in Chicago called Wadsworth. I missed fifty-six days of my eighth grade and had to redo it until my mom moved out of that neighborhood. But I'll just say this. The gun culture itself is not um, 
back when I was coming up. It wasn't so much uh, 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 aphrodisiac power or for I'm willing to fight it. We didn't have gun courage. Let me put it like that. Mm-hmm. And as I grew up, I still have that same gun. And I'll say this. Mm-hmm. All of the opportunities I've had or I've experienced that has allowed me to bring that gun, pull that gun, shoot that gun, I have fought those urges because mm. I know what the consequences are. And I know mm-hmm. being a black man what the consequences are. It's a matter for me. It's a matter of uh, don't bother me. I don't bother you. Mm-hmm. But these these kids today, you don't have to bother be bothering anybody. It could be a a situation of a bully. The bully is not just a bully. He's a bully with a gun. If you mm-hmm. want to take it that far, and that's one of the things that. Uh, that's what these kids are up against, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's it's frightening. It's sad. It's it's aggravating. It's all of those things, and I'm right. trying to take it, you know, to that one day at a time situation. I admit well, I know. don't have to be involved with that now because of my age, because I'm immobile, and. Um, Closed my door and uh, set my rifle by the door and make sure nobody bothers me. Mhm, mhm. Hey, Alpha, thank you for your call and and you brought yes, up some thank you. some some great uh, points. And we we just simply have to keep we we have to be in the in the right in the faces of the right people to begin mm-hmm. to carve out these solutions because Absolutely. we've got people who are talking out about out of their ass and both sides of their mouths and they're not talking about they're at, they're, they're asking the wrong questions mm-hmm. so we've got to be in the business of of directing people advising people to make sure that we're we're asking the right questions and we're not asking the right questions and what my fear is that we're going to have another generation of black young black men who don't understand who won't dodge the consequences alpha thank you we're going to go to another call Thank you, ladies. Thank um, you. I appreciate your comment. Thank you very much. One one one, you're on the air. Yes, uh, uh, Janice, how are you? And I'm good, Mike. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're most welcome. And also, uh, I send hello to your uh, guest as well too. Her Zakia name is Zakia Sankara Jabbar. Sister Jabbar. Yes, absolutely. And also to Alpha as well, too. Uh, so, you know, in United Kingdom, 
I mean, you uh, when tourists land in the United Kingdom, the first things they see is very surprising, and that is they don't carry guns, the police in United Kingdom or Ireland as well, too. So uh, the reason is very clear that, you know, is to bring, uh, you know, less crime. And basically nobody has a gun in UK or Ireland or Europe. Uh, many nations, they don't have it. If you have it, if you have it, then is uh, you know the uh, uh, only bad guys has it like you know we saw so many activity happen in France a while back ago uh, you know uh, those people of course uh, they have it and they they send a special unit that they have uh, uh, counteract with those kind of terrorist activities etc as well. And so they they are fully armed. That's different. But from the population wise, they do not carry arms and are very relaxed, very nice with the people, polite, obedient, and uh, that's uh, uh, lawfulness. Police stands for, and cooperation. You know, and they're not uh, there really to harm people, but uh, you know. United States, unfortunately, we see everybody has a, every police has access to the massive amounts of, uh, you know, ammunition and guns and et cetera, and, and also the people. So that's exactly where the problem I can see, that people are, you know, uh, killing each other so much and so much crime, so much police shootings happening as a result of mistakes into mistakes and yeah. into mistakes. Go ahead, please, yeah. Jenny. Okay. Uh, thank you, Mike, for your call. Um, I don't believe that's ever going to happen in this country. Um, uh, even with the dilution of the power, political power that the NRA has faced over the last, say, 12 months, I just don't think that police officers in this country, police unions, are ever going to ban um, uh, guns or uh, police officers who are not armed. It would be a good thing, especially uh, communities who tout the idea that they are doing community policing. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Mike, thank you so much. Uh, good to have you on board tonight. You're welcome. Thank you very much. And I hope you'll join us on Saturday night, as usual. Sure, sure. I try my best. Thank you very much. Um, Mike is one of our uh, regular listeners, and I do want to say that I'm sending out love and prayers to the family of India Declare who lost their son and brother uh, and as that family prepares their final farewells. Uh, India yeah. has been a huge um, supporter of banning um, of, of gun bans in, in America uh, for years on her show. 
Um, Zakia, one of the things that I want to talk about is uh, on Saturday night you and I had started talking about this whole idea of the gender wars in in um, social media. And I do want to get to that. So uh, two things are going A couple of things um, that I want to get with you is uh, and let our audience know that the three police officers uh, in the Aubrey, um, oh, my God. Uh, Amal Aubrey? Uh, Amal Aubrey case have been indicted for murder. Murder was one of the indictments. I don't uh, recall what the other indictment was today in Cobb County, uh, Georgia. Uh, The other thing that I want to get to is 30,000 new cases of COVID-19 in the United States today. We hit the record. In one day, 30,000 new cases. We are still on the first wave. We haven't gotten to the peak uh, yet, and we need to talk about why that is. Um, And um, I had promised you, Zakia, that I had a, I had a, um, a clip I wanted for everyone to hear last week oh, and yeah. I couldn't find it on my board so I found it on my board it was on there it was just labeled wrong so we're going to take a break right now when we come back we're going to talk about uh, some of those things and we're going to take your calls at 347-838-9852 you're listening to a new addition to our common ground this is M. Kutano. M. Kutano is a Swahili word which means assembly, meeting, conference. Don't get excited. Um, and I, I titled this particular night for open mic uh, because we're going to be adding some other nights uh, so that we can have some very targeted and specific kinds of guests. I want to do some arts, and I want to do some sports, and I want to do some medicine. I want to do a whole bunch of things. I'm taking the old Our Common Ground Monday through Friday gradually, and we hope that you will join us and be supportive in that. Don't forget that you can stay connected at Our Common Ground at www.ourcommonground.com. If you'd like to join us, best seats in the house are in our chat room. You can come to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG, and that's uh, where you can find us uh, here. Um, And when we come back with Zakia Zakia, uh, Sankara Jabbar, I love that. Uh, We'll be right back. You stay tuned. Get your coffee warmed. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham.
wake up the entire African-American community to the hidden issue of mental health. It showed up in my life through one of my best friends. And we've been friends for over 30 years. One story at a time. If we would have known earlier, you know, we would have been more, much more supportive with her. Once I reached out to my sister, it got a little better. Once I told my mother, it got a little better. The more I talked about it, I felt it coming off. The healing is in me, and the healing in a journey can also be extended to others. It's our community and our mental health. Giving voice to what you're feeling is part of the healing. If you're strong enough to just open your mouth, that's all it takes. And the most revolutionary and healing thing that black people can do right now is to love one another. It's time to share ourselves. Healing starts with us. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Ad Council, and the Stay Strong Foundation. You're listening to Truth Works Network. In Cantano. Wednesday open mic at Our Common Ground. Imkontano is a Swahili term meaning assembly. So we assemble to ensure that your voice is amplified. Thank you for joining us tonight in the premiere of our Wednesday open mic program. Don't forget to join us on Saturday night at 10 p.m. I'll be in discussion with Dr. Ron Daniels. Dr. Daniels is a veteran social and political activist the president of the Institute of the Black World 21st Century. We hope that you will join us. Check our website at www.ourcommonground.com for more information. On Saturday night, 10 p.m., I'll be listening for you. And now back to Our Common Ground. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And thank you for being with us in our premiere of Wednesday night open mic. Come on, Alpha, you know it's M. Kutano. <laughs> Thank you for being with us, and Zakia Sankara Jabbar is with us. And on Saturday night, we were talking about the protests and rebellion and the need to, to continue the rebellion. And I, I wanted to play a 1963. Three uh, voice of Harry Belafonte and what he had to say. Listen. Okay. The now is, is is a statement that from here on in there's a point of no return. Oh. That uh, there is success or there is utter failure. Uh, there is no middle of the line. There is no compromise on the issue. Uh, the now that is being spoken about is the fact that in a hundred years, finally. Uh, through whatever the causes have been in history, and most of them have been because of oppression, 
the Negro people have uh, strongly and fully taken the bit in their teeth. They're asking absolutely no quarter from anyone. Even the, the hand that is extended in terms of, 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 of uh, 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 brotherhood and, and friendship to the white citizens who want to participate, it is for them to make the choice to accept because they intend to move without it. And, that, uh, uh, and I don't mean to say that the black community is not a community that does not have responsibility in this current revolution. But I do say that the bulk of the interpretation of whether this thing is going to end successfully and joyously or is going to end disastrously lays very heavily with the white community. It lays very heavily with the profiteers. It lays very heavily with the vested interests. It lays very heavily with a great middle stream in this country of people who have refused to commit themselves or even have the slightest knowledge that these things have been going on. And those who have decried demonstrations and who have said the Negro is going too far, they are the ones who in fact are being provoked the most by this because for the first time, and it is only through our demonstrations, that they have come to a level of consciousness. And in this now that we speak of, it is this point of no return because we are on the march and there is going to be no return from it because the march in Washington today is one thing. But it doesn't end there. There are going to be marches again, and there are going to be marches in the local villages and in the local cities. And, the, and, and uh, it's not just in the south, it's in the north, it's all over. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, back to Janice. Yeah, Zakia, Harry Belafonte could have said that yesterday, and it would have been right. relevant. Right. That's why I play my grieving music. Dusty Gordon is my grieving man. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I, mean, I that's literally... Exactly right. You could have said it yesterday, period. Yeah, I, I just, I can't get my hands around the idea that we are in the same place we were in 1963. It grieves me. I don't know if you all get grieved, but it, it, it grieves me deeply that anybody, I hate to say it, you could have said it, um, my friend Ruby Sales could have said it, my my dear beloved brother Nathan Hale could have said it, Ron Daniels is probably going to say it on Saturday night when he joins us. I mean, when? And I'm not sure, maybe you can put your your fingers on it, your hands on it. What we have to do, 
how far we are have we will have to go to to bring justice and have freedom. I think that's the, the as they say that's the million dollar question. And you know, I think one one area that we don't necessarily uh talk about a lot that I feel like there's some um there's some there's some some energy we need to put there and I, I often think about the late Dr. Bobby Wright is the work that we do with our own minds and our own consciousness. And I think that's part of I the think key. That's be I critical. think we got too many that's a, outliers. That's the key. That's, a key. that's a, to me that's a key component in my opinion. The other piece because to me that will deal with uh, the people who are complicit in our communities with white supremacy. We're not going to win this thing if we can't deal with the people who are complicit. There are some black people in some very high places, in elected offices, in, 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 in positions all across this country that are implementing the tools and strategies of the current system. And, and, they're, and, and, and they're what's called black faces on white supremacist structures. And so until we until we again as like I'm saying we have to deal with the, the 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 psychology of it. I don't think we talk enough about that, which is why as you know I love Dr. Amos Wilson so much is because that brother dealt with all of it. And he connected, you know, our our our, our consciousness, right? The falsification of our consciousness. When we talk about all the violence and everything that's happening that's 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 the falsification of our consciousness, and the and that's it's all psychological. We've been, you know, socialated to be anti-black and, and 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 to hate blackness. When you see people do things like that, that's why I think that's a key component. And I think that organizations like the Association of Black uh, Psychologists, as you know, Dr. Wade Nobles is one of the co-founders. These people have done the work. They have written the book. They have written the curriculum. Why are we not implementing it? Amos Wilson has left up his magnum opus in the blueprint for black power. Everything we need is in that book. Yes. And, yes. and, and so one of my goals is really to bring his work back into the fore. And what I mean by that is to create a community of support of, of, of sorts where we are really Dealing with the information from an, an African epistemology in a really in a really real way, and that means mm-hmm. we have to decolonize everything we've learned. Even people with PhDs need to decolonize. Mm-hmm. Now, for those we, of you yeah. in the audience who are not familiar with my teacher, he was one of my teachers. I mean, when I met him uh, by way of this radio. Uh, by radio, this our common ground, and right. he was one of our regulars uh, in our early days. Um, Doctor Amos Wilson, Amos N. Yes. Wilson, is an author, a yes. psychologist, a social theorist, and a Pan Africanist. And right. he was born in Hasburg. Um, Mississippi. Mississippi. Yes. And he's a graduate of Morehouse College. 
Mm-hmm. And he mastered at the New School for Social Research and attained a Ph.D. at um, Fordham. Fordham. The mm-hmm. books that you, if you want to begin to really begin your education, the transforming of the way, the lenses in which you look at black people, black struggle, black history. You should begin with his blueprint for black power, a moral, political, and economic imperative for the 21st century. Hey, there it is. I'm going to try to type all that out in the chat room. This is the book that every black adult who says that they want to um, they want to be in this struggle Dr. Right. Amos N. Wilson and mm-hmm. Dr. Wilson um, was just a uh I mean, you would, he was just a person who had thought through all of this stuff we're trying to talk about right now. Um, and the other book that I um, I always recommend, anytime anybody in our family, anybody that I know that has a baby, I always give them a a. Uh, you know, if you have a baby shower, I end up getting to the baby shower with uh, Wilson's book, Awakening the Natural Genius of Black Children, genius. that he wrote in yes. 1992. There it um, is. Yeah. So if you have if you have black children uh, in your the, the development uh, the developmental psychology of, of the black child was another book that he read. You could yeah. read. I always say to people, people often ask me, what should I read? Uh, And I always say, you start off with Amos Wilson. That's where you start. So when you read other things, you can synthesize them through a new understanding of what else you read. So Mm -hmm. for those of you who are out there, Blueprint for Black Power, Moral, Political, Economic Imperative for the 21st Century. I I did manage to type it out in our chat room, which is why you should be in our chat room. But but you're absolutely right that we have too many people who have too loud a voice, who don't understand the deeper and bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And we need to be saying to people like Cory Booker, um, Kamala Harris, you, what you say is sounds good, but if you really believed what you're saying, then you would have a deeper understanding about its meaning. And your work would reflect that deeper understanding. And uh, I just, 
I mean, um, I, I spent, Zakia, I can't tell you, and this was during the time where long-distance uh, calls were not free. And I probably have hundreds of dollars in long-distance calls just at night. Yeah, I used to have a, 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 a practice of nobody came on this show that I didn't have a discussion with the night before. Mm-hmm. And I, I spent hours allowing Dr. Wilson to teach me. You know, yeah. and one of the things that I admit, I admit this, I know a lot about black history. I knew that I was a race woman. I came from a race family. Mm-hmm. But people like Dr. Dr. Wilson, yeah, I mean, the only person that ever came on my show in the first 10 years that I was on the air that I didn't talk to the night before was the Honorable Minister Farrakhan. Mm -hmm. Because people just didn't come on my show and just, you know. uh, Mm -hmm. So I think that our reach and our understanding has to be we have to go back. Definitely. And, you know, the loss of Dr. Wilson just was incredible. Just just um, a real loss to our people because he was a master teacher. He was a master, master lecturer. Wow. Yes. Yes. I've been, I was listen, I've been listening to him the last two nights, honestly. I have to tell you this story. And I, I have to tell your, your listeners this story. Uh, when my daughter was born, my last child, and she'll be Asata. six uh, in a couple of days. Asata, yes. When she'll be six here in a couple of days. And um, when she was born, she was, a, you know, we brought her home and everything. And after a couple of weeks, she was a little colicky. And so for people who don't understand that, that means the baby just constantly cries. You fed them. They're clean. You, you've done everything, and the baby is crying. Now, mind you, I listened to Dr. Amos Wilson daily, his his lectures while I was pregnant with her. And my husband and I were like just trying to figure out why this baby keep crying. You know, we was like, well, maybe does she got gas? We trying to, we talking to the doctor, we talking to, you know, family members, you know, who who got the science down when it comes to babies and things like that. Like I said, she was fed. All every, We had checked off all the boxes. And finally, my husband said, man, let's just lay down. Let's cut on Uncle Amos. That's what he called Dr. Amos. We cut that we cut that lecture on, and do you know that baby shut up immediately? <laughs> she was weeks old, uh-huh. and we was uh-huh. like, and we couldn't figure it out. Didn't now, mind you, we had went through this a couple of days now, and then finally, my husband, we just gave up. And he was like, "Man, let's just cut on a lecture. Maybe it'll drown it out a little bit." And we we found out we had to do that to get her to sleep every night. For the first uh-huh, several months uh-huh. of her life, she had you know to what it could have been. Voice. You know what it could have been. He had a very gra- gravely gravelly voice. Voice. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> it was very deep and, and very gravelly. With her. Yeah. Yep, she yep. she recognized his voice. That yep, I thought that yep. was amazing. I tell that story all the time, like the people who get you know this kind of work and and think on that level. But yeah, my my daughter. Literally was incubated in his word. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's just like, it's just like black people. Uh, we don't have a universe 
uh, like the larger world. We don't mm-hmm. have, you know, for instance, with I, I had the same problem. I had never lived in a, a house with a baby before ever because I was an mm-hmm. only child. And mm-hmm. so when my daughter was born, the first night, you know, she started acting like she didn't know what time it was. And I was saying to her, look, we we already watched the 11 o'clock news. It's time for us to go to bed. It was the 10 o'clock news at the time. And that's when she would just decide, I'm keeping everybody up. And I went to the library to just find some baby books and stuff like that and and discovered Ella Jenkins, the African-American folk singer. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having a baby who could not sleep, who could not ride in a car who could not be still unless Ella Jenkins was singing You Sing a Song or Miss Mary Mack. You know, and and we need to identify and create for our children a universe where they are covered by people. They, They understand black voices and black music and, you know, and and I had three grandchildren the same way. They could not sleep. They would not take naps, nothing, uh, until Ella Jenkins was singing. So, you know, we are very special people, as as Wilson would say. He always said that. We are a special people, um, and we have become special because of our journey. That's right. Um, one of the things one of the things I do want to talk about is our understanding of the various massacres under which aside from the daily torture that we have experienced but I, I was listening to Clay Kane. He's a young brother that I really like to listen to. Um I think you know, he's a New Yorker and sometimes it gets on my nerves but uh, Clay Kane is on uh, Sirius Radio on Urban View, and I, I listened to Clay Kane uh, yesterday, and he was talking about how we need to understand how these massacres occurred, and we need to see them in the reflection of what we are calling the Karen phenomenon, white women. Uh, and their white fragility and their ability to call out their victimization in the face of being of of black women. You know the woman that called because black people was in the park um, um, uh, having a barbecue, and she called the police. And 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 the the tendency to white women when they feel they see black people doing something they don't like and don't agree then they pick up their cell phones and call the police and uh, knowing that the police will take their sides and they can become the victim of of any kind of nonsense where black people are not I mean I heard a, um, a, a clip yesterday of the, the black man was trying to say, ma'am, 
why are you why are you yelling? I'm not doing anything to you. I'm just standing here talking to you. They had had a car accident, and she was calling the police and screaming. She was being attacked by the man, and the man was just as calm. So we started calling them Karens. And exactly. I think that our tendency to to kind of uh, place some comedic value on those kind of intersect, inter, interchanges are, are, are a mistake, and we have to understand them in the way that they happen. So I did some study. I, I went and I did some study, and <clears throat> Emmett Till was murdered because of a Karen, which y'all calling Karens now. That's the exactly Tulsa right. massacre happened. the The woman in the Emmett Till Rose case, Rose. her name was Carolyn. Carolyn. Um, oh heck, Carolyn Bright. Carolyn Bright. Bryant, not Bright. Carolyn Bryant. And we need to understand in the Tulsa massacre. At the beginning of all of that that happened in Tulsa, it was about a woman who was a Karen, a white woman who was a, she worked in a building in Tulsa uh, as a, as an elevator attendant, you know, a long time ago. You didn't push the button. You had somebody in the in the car who pushed the button. So a young black man named Dick Rowland got onto her elevator to go to a restroom on the third floor that was designated for black people because the restroom for the white people was on the first floor. And... The elevator hadn't quite stopped, and there was a a space between the floor and the elevator floor. And when he got onto the elevator, he tripped, and he touched her arm. Wow. And she cried out, and her cry was heard by a store clerk who called the police because this black man, Dick Rowland, had touched her arm. He was arrested. In my research, I I found a a Tulsa newspaper article that said, NAB Negro for attacking girl in an elevator. He was arrested the next morning. When the word got out that he had attacked her, because that's what she told people, that he had attacked her. And I think next 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 Wednesday on this program, I'm going to do more bec- more research because there have been a number of incidents like this. He attacked she reported he attacked her. They tried to take him out of the the Tulsa uh jail to lynch him. The sheriff tried to prevent it. He was a shoe shine guy in this in this building. And um white 
Ku Klux Klan and other organizers, white supremacists in the town, organized to begin uh, to 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 attack the black people in the Greenwood section of Tulsa, where where black people lived, and they even organized air uh, air dusters, people who dusted the the crops, and put firebombs on the planes. And drop them. Mm-hmm. So this whole mm-hmm. idea about us minimizing women who believe white women who believe that they can call the police because they are offended by the presence of a black person or a specifically a black man is very very troubling that we would minimize that because mm-hmm. we know, and, and it is the same thing like Alpha was talking earlier with us about um, sending the police to, to black homes. It's problematic mm-hmm. because of the culture of police officers in this country. Right. But that puts us in another place. And that is that we have no one to protect and serve us. I, I'm, I'm thinking right now about domestic violence. I used to do a lot of consulting with public health officials on the issue of domestic violence in Boston. And by the way, Boston banned facial recognition surveillance today. Thank you very much, Marty Walsh. But um, right. But I think that. We cannot marginalize and minimize the tactics that are used to marginalize and minimize us, Mm -hmm. especially in this environment of rebellion that white people are so fearful. And then we've got this other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is um, in the in the police ref, police reform on the police reform uh, platform uh, um, issues um, in Buffalo, New York. Carol Horn, who is an African, who is a black woman, who served 19 years as an officer, and an and her partner was attacking and brutalizing a citizen, and she stepped in to stop it, and she was fired. She lost her pension, and she lost her home as a result of losing her job. That's those are the, those the are right? contradictory. They, you know, those... was that the woman in New York? What's her name? Her name was Carol Horn. It's Carol Horn. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I just yeah, I remember that. And there's a campaign now to restore her pension. I saw there's she's been making a lot of media appearances recently. I just saw that. Yeah. Oh, and, I haven't but, seen but, her. But, but but isn't that but isn't that something though? 
Isn't that something that here she is, they've punished her for doing the right thing. That's uh-huh. sick. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it, but that is that is the contradiction, the duality of the lives that black people live in this country. Like I I have been saying to everybody, don't think that George Floyd's the the knee on his neck is the only kind of brutality that black people are are subjected to on a daily basis. If you go to your job and you think about all the knees that have been on your neck, you either keep your job or you don't keep your job because someone decides you shouldn't have your job because you are black. Right. It's it's very it's very disturbing and and I don't think we're doing enough and that's why I'm so glad you keep bringing up Amos Wilson that we're doing enough to synthesize and think through all of our experiences in that regard. You know, the idea that I'm 70 years old and when I was going to the supermarket um, before the pandemic, um, I was very careful about how I engaged, my body language, the whole nine yards, you know, because I'm living in DeClantis land. Right, right, right. You know, my, my daughter was very upset with me because she lives in a community um, that I'm not certain doesn't have an underground police, white supremacy police department. And she put up a Black Lives Matter banner and um, liberation, black liberation flag out on her porch. And I suggested that maybe she ought to take that down because Mm. she does not understand the nature of the violence that comes out of people who operate in a white supremacist culture. Right. Which is a lot of people. I I thought it was problematic. I, I said, yeah, you take it to a march, you take it to a protest, but anybody could come by your house and bomb your house, shoot into your house, whatever. And that's that's a reality for black people. Other thing that concerns me in Trump's America, really concerns me, is the takeover of the U.S. Global Communications Agency. And nobody's talking mm-hmm. about that. Tell because us more the, about that. I don't think people are aware. The 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 U.S. Global Communication Agency controls and administers uh, about five international communications networks. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's primarily media. And the reason that this president has found it. Uh, uh, it's an independent federal. It's supposed to be an independent federal agency. 
uh, and it houses um, um, a number of entities. Um, the Voice of America, which all uh, if you go into an army camp or um, uh, wherever soldiers are, people in the military, they listen. To the only broadcast that they can get is Voice of America. It also operates Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. It operates Office of Cuba Broadcasting. It operates Radio Free Asia, Middle East Broadcasting Networks, and and it has an, uh, a nonprofit called the Open Technology Fund. It is the, the greatest tool, in my estimation, uh, it's supposed to be informing, engaging, and connecting people around the world in support of freedom and democracy. But it is the greatest tool for propaganda. And you can't always rely uh, on Are you still there? Yep. Here is Trump. You can't hear me? I can now. It kind of went oh, okay. out for a minute. Okay. So that's because I was putting my hand in front of my microphone because I was moving around. Um, and here is Trump now taking full control over all of that with a guy, and his name is Michael Mm-hmm. Uh, who is now the CEO. And when he came in about a month ago, he just wiped out all the people who had been in charge. It's it's a major, major mafia move on the part of the Trump administration. And I worry mm-hmm. about that. Because especially Voice of America Many, most of the time, all of our troops all over the country and all over the world, that is where they get their news. That is where they get their information. And what scares me, and somebody out there is going to say, oh, she really lost her mind now, is that he will organize um, our uh, military, people who are returning with information that is so bad about what is happening in this country that these people more and more will start joining these organized white supremacy groups that are, that have propped up by 95% since Trump took office. Right. Which means there could be an organized arm insurgency against black people. Yeah, that's that's yeah, and we ain't ready for that. That 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 will be disastrous. We are definitely not ready for that. So in the meantime, with all of that happening, you say that we've got black men and black women fighting on social media about what? Oh Lord, 
That is a uh, very depressing uh, thing to witness, particularly, you know, on Twitter. And, um, and again, it's, it's all connected. It's all connected to the things that we were talking about earlier in terms of falsification of our, of our consciousness. And as Baba Wakesa, uh, Mezimoyo down in Atlanta, who runs the um, IA Educational Institute, he does a series called Warrior Healers and Builders. And we need all three. We need warriors, but we need healers. And we got a lot of unhealed people in our community. And granted, we've hurt each other. That's not that. There's, 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 there's no. You know, we, we have hurt each other, right? That's, that's the issue. And we, we've got to deal with that. And, um, but we have to deal with it in a way where we're not further dehumanizing one another and being complicit um, in. And, and just further harm. That's that's my view. That's because I, I think that we need a healing um, modality and we need to have grace with one another. That's just how mm-hmm. I feel. That's how I, you know, um, deal with intra-racial issues. And, um, and I think, you know, I'm not saying, I, I think I need to be clear, you know, no one should put up with abuse no matter who it is, right? You should never put up with, you know, any kind of abuse. Everybody needs to do what they need to do for themselves to be safe. I think in terms of the rhetoric, however, and in terms of some of the things that we're seeing, and one of the things that was really heartbreaking I saw on Twitter um, was a call for uh, black women to stop having black male babies. There literally was a tweet that said that. And to me, that's, that's um that's what I'm talking about when I say that's not healing. You know, that's clearly um someone who is still in pain and someone who still who, you know, I guess using social media in a way to express that pain. And so I get it. I still even have grace even with that. Because I get it. It's from a source of pain. But at the same time I have to take breaks from that kind of stuff because I can't hardly stand it. I can't hardly yeah, stand yeah. looking at it. Are you familiar with the work? Is anybody familiar with the work of Louisa Tish? Louisa who? Tish. I I don't think I'm familiar with that name. Okay, okay. You might want to look her up. Louisa, Sister Louisa, used to be a a guest here often, and um, she had. Um, um, illness. Uh, she's out of California, but the name of her book, uh, which I can't recall right now, but one of the things that she used to do is uh, for black women in terms of healing the pain of childhood and bad marriages and bad love, and it's called the Moon Daughters Healing Hut. And she used to do okay. those all over the all over the country on the coast because she needed because they happen it has to happen near bodies of water mm-hmm. um, and you you might wanna um check her out um she is a very uh powerful teacher. The name of her book is Jambalaya. And she is both a teacher and an author, 
and her book, Jambalaya, The Natural Woman's Book of Personal Charms and Practical Rituals. Uh, she comes out of um, um, New Orleans. She's also okay. a storyteller and a dancer, um, but she's a very, very interesting woman. But I do think you're absolutely right. We have to begin to begin to find our African selves, our ancestors in that healing process. Um and 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 I think that once we understand the connection between honoring and acknowledging our ancestors and our progress in this struggle it's going to be really beneficial to to all of us um, you right. know the political and the economic be, economic strategies uh, become fueled by some very basic and healthy ways of looking at that i mean you know, Ruby Sales was uh, with us uh, uh, last month, and one of the things she talked about is is how we view wealth. You know, I, I worry about what we think makes us wealthy and how we have adopted this Americanized way of thinking about wealth and thinking about economic health. Um, and, yeah. and it's the same in 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 politics. It's the very same in, in in politics. So if you you know that it's 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 so imperative as we live in Trump's America. At least we were right. when we were struggling with Barack Obama, when we were struggling with George Bush. We were struggling with people who were sane, but now we got to deal with people like Peter Navarro and Matt Gates and Jim Jordan, who stood by and allowed over a hundred molestations of college boys. You know, I just wow. I want I want people to stick with me in our clothes because there's a message there. We, I'm so glad you brought up the whole idea of healing. Yes, you can't I, I be a strong people. In you cannot be a strong people. You cannot endure the kind of terrorism and barbarism and brutality that we face ongoing every day and watch George Floyd be murdered and Tamir Rice be murdered and Trayvon uh, Martin be murdered and the the perpetrator the murderer is walking around and selling the gun auctioning off the gun that he used to murder him with. What kind yep. of barbarism are we living in? Exactly. That's what I want to know. That a young woman on her way to a new job is pulled over by a police and one day, two days later she is dead. Right. On a traffic stop. Right. You know, I, I, I just, 
I just think that we have got to understand that all of us, we absorb this stuff. It makes us sick. And we have to acknowledge yeah. that, Zakia. We, we really, yes, it really is. And, and and until we acknowledge that and look to each other for healing and the sanctuary, that's why I do this show. This is the Black Sanctuary for Black Truth. I don't care who agrees with it. I know that the way that we have survived is because we have claimed each other. And you all can claim, who, I don't know who them people, Beyonce and and who them other people, whatever. <laughs> right. I mean, those people are celebrities. They're putting on a show to make money. They are your brothers and sisters, and I'll say this about Barack Obama. Um, Barack Obama was my brother And all of us have relatives that fail That falter That forget to come to Sunday dinner <laughs> Whatever But we have to understand That we own each other That we we are a collective And if we are not a collective They're going to pick us off one by one and I don't want to be one by one. Right. Right. I don't think any of us want that. No, yes. none of us want that. And we don't want it for our children. Not at all. We we don't want it for our children. That's why I work so hard, the, the, so hard, you know, and that's why I'm I, I'm so, you know, I think the healing the healing piece has to, we have to do that. And I really love the work that Dr. Cheryl Grills, uh I don't know if you know her, she is one of the past presidents of the Association of Black Psychologists. She's also uh implemented the work of the Community Healing Network, which is also founded by uh, Enola Ayer. She's a um a retired lawyer and uh also a Panamanian African American uh, immigrant. And so we took their training, uh, we brought it to Dayton to implement because there's so, again, there's so much pain and mental unwellness. I hate using mental health because it has such a negative connotation and Baba Wade Nobles uh, encourages us to use mental wellness because we're not well um, in a lot of ways, uh, mentally and emotionally, certainly physically and how all of those things are interconnected. But one of the things that I love about the emotional emancipation circles was that Enola and Cheryl and others got together and said, we have to form this community healing network. And I encourage your listeners to Google the community healing network emotional emancipation uh, circles. And the emotional emancipation circles are really the lay way because there's not enough psychologists, there's not enough therapists, there's not enough social workers in the um in the communities and in in any of the atmospheres that's trained in African centered concepts who can really help our people. So they realized they had to use a lay model or a decolonized model 
that people didn't have to have licenses but could be trained in a particular uh, way where they could implement these circles and begin healing spreading throughout not just the United States, but they've done these trainings uh, in Cuba. They've been to the continent. They are touching African people anywhere we are on the globe because we are all in need of healing because we've all been infected globally by anti-blackness and by colonization and by uh, the system of white savagery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I spent um, about four months in Rwanda mm-hmm. after the genocide, and um, I did so with a sister friend whose expertise is in violence mm-hmm. and addressing mm-hmm. systems of violence. And as a matter of fact, she is still in Africa doing violent work. She's been in the DNR. She's been uh, in the DNC, I'm sorry, um, um, working with men returning from war uh, because most of the soldiers, especially in the um, Congo, um go to war as little children. But in any case, we uh, were volunteers at a orphanage for, for women, women who had lost all of the men in their families because that was how the genocide was carried out. Mm-hmm. To kill all the men, and one woman test uh, told me um, through a translator that after she had been captured and her father, her husband, her sons, and her grandfather were murdered in their home, they kept her for 10 days and probably around 10 soldiers raped her repeatedly for 10 days until she escaped and they had tired of her. But she said to me, one of the soldiers said to her, The reason that we are not going to kill you is so that your life will be filled with grief and sadness. Wow. That woman's testimony uh, at the orphanage has stayed with me. I I still get goosebumps. I still um, get filled uh, by that story. But I think we have to transpose things, and uh, particularly we have to transpose how much grief and sadness we live with every day. And Mm -hmm. I think that uh, the murder, the the video of the murder of George Floyd 
filled us with sadness and grief, and we never deal with that part of it. We deal with the anger, we deal with the rage, but we don't deal with the sadness and grief. So the sister you're talking about, um, whatever I can do to get her down here uh, in Florida and in Boston, I'd be delighted to be able to um, to do some to set up some 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 way in which she can get here because I have really been trying to talk with my co- former colleagues that we need to be doing that kind of healing in some kinds of programs in every community, especially in public housing. Women who have to struggle um, to keep their families uh, safe in an environment that just is very conducive because of the way that it has been designed. And the other is to understand every day that all of this is happening because it's designed to happen this way. And all the Karens know it. That's why they call the police. Right. You know. Right. So uh, I'm going to let you tell people how they can get in touch with you, how they can support your work and the work of the organizations that you are involved in because I want to be a conductor of people getting connected uh, or opportunities to be connected into the work. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, And so absolutely people can go to brightbeamnetwork.org. You know, there we have uh, different um, uh, – things that people can do in terms of sharing our report that we released uh, in January and certainly can use the report to take action. It's called the, um, you know, the we're shining a light uh, on the shameful uh, so-called progressive cities who have uh, dismal achievement and opportunity gaps for black and brown children uh, in this country. And so we certainly want people to support the work to make sure that we have, um, you know, equitable education for our children and academic outcomes. People can also uh, support the organization that I co-founded and still serve as a board member, Racial Justice Now, and you can reach that organization at www.rjndmv, as in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, .org. Again, that's www.rjndmv.org, and people can uh, peruse the website there. Uh, you can certainly uh, make a donation if you'd like to, but you can certainly also follow us on social media, uh, Bright Beam Network as well as um, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Racial Justice Now is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and so you can find uh, the organizations there. And we encourage everybody because uh, we need more people. We need more soldiers. We need more soldiers mm-hmm. in this fight. You know, there's a few of us 
on the front line and you was asking me how was the war going and and we need some more soldiers. We need more people to uh, use this moment of uprising uh, that happened here in the country and that's continuing to happen. The news just not covering it, but I can tell you right now in D.C., protests are happening every single day, even on the weekends, and it's still happening. And so I think this is a time if people want to act, there's a number of different ways you can get involved. If you don't have the time, make a donation. If you got time and you got skills and you're retired and you ha- and you feel like you can make a flyer for somebody, you can do a graphic, you can make phone calls to the school board. Uh, Racial Justice Now is working on getting the police out of Montgomery County Public Schools. You can go to our social media pages on Twitter and Instagram, and you can get the email addresses for the school board members uh, in Montgomery County, Maryland, and just let them know. Send them an email and say, Get the police out of school. There's no way they need to be dealing with our kids. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of information mm-hmm. for people to use as talking points on our social media. This is all kinds of way that people can let their voices heard. You can use social media. You can retweet our things. You can do all kinds of things to be supporting uh, this work. And so I just want to appreciate you for this platform. I appreciate you as a, a long-distance runner for justice and liberation for black people, and I look forward to doing it again. Well, thank you very much. And one of the things I want to point out in in what you do is that if you are out there in a community and you want to begin to organize, right, you can contact Sister Jabbar to help right. you figure how to begin the process, the work of getting police out of the schools in your community, how to begin the dialogue with the people, the key people that you need to organize and activate. Sister Jabbar, thank you so very much. It's Zakia Sankara Jabbar at at Brightbeam and Racial Justice Now, and we thank you so much for your time your effort, your passion, and your love of our people. And this won't be the last time. We still have to have that talk. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, um, uh, you have my personal cell phone number. We just need to set up a time where we can just have a really a good off-the-record conversation and figure out how we want to move forward on that idea. But I'm I'm with it. I just got to, you know, uh, create create some more hours in the day. Okay. Because we need to do more of it. You know, we really do need to do more of it. We need to be talking every day, all day about these issues. That's uh, exactly and right. Yeah, and I'm committed. You know, one of the things that I've been trying to do over the last maybe 10 years is to groom, give opportunity to the new generation of talkers. I'm the pioneering talker, but there's a new generation, and we've got black people out there by the millions paying $30 a month to listen to sometimes it works, but, but at the end of it, there is no end game. And we need talkers who are looking for the end game. Mm-hmm. The car. Thank you so much for for being with us, and and this is our premiere in Kutano Wednesday open mic. We're going to be here every Wednesday night, and you can just call in because 
um, that's what we do. We we take the calls that we get. And um, my love to your beloved husband and your thank wonderful, you. beautiful children. Thank you so very much. And thank you thank for you. being with us here tonight. Um, don't get it confused, and I want to make it real plain. This does not replace our Saturday night broadcast. And coming up this week at Our Common Ground on Saturday night is Dr. uh, Ron Daniels. He'll be with us at 10 p.m. He's been an Our Common Ground voice since 1985. He's a veteran social and political activist. From 1993 to 2005, he served as the first African-American executive director of the Center for Constitutional Rights. And during his tenure, the um, Constitutional Rights uh, Center for Constitutional Rights emerged as a major force fighting against police brutality and misconduct, church burnings, hate crimes. In June of 1995, Dr. Daniels led an African-American fact-finding and support delegation mission to Haiti as a result of the visit. Uh, The Haiti Support Project was created. He is the founder and president of the Institute of the Black World 21st Century, and we are just pleased that he's going to join us once again. Thank you again. See you Saturday night. I will be listening for you. Don't forget, we play uh, a couple of... uh, songs uh, at the end of the close. Hope you'll stay with us. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Don't forget to join us on Saturday night at 10 p.m. I'll be in discussion with Dr. Ron Daniels. Dr. Daniels is a veteran social and political activist the president of the Institute of the Black World 21st Century. We hope that you will join us. Check our website at www.ourcommonground.com for more information. On Saturday night, 10 p.m., I'll be listening for you. you when you're not being identified by your name, your clothes, your job, or your job title? Who are you when you are not being defined by your roles, your status, your bank account, or your relationships? Just who are you?
hey daddy, what that there? And why that under there? And oh daddy, oh hey daddy, hey look it over there. Hey, what they doing there? And where they going there? And daddy, can I have that big elephant over there? Hey, who that in my chair? And what she doing there? And oh daddy, oh hey daddy, can I go over there? Hey daddy, what's a square? And where do we get air? And daddy, can I have that big elephant over there? My quizzical kid, man, he doesn't want anything here. He's forever demanding to know who, what, and why, and where. Inquisitive child, and sometimes the questions get wild. Like, Daddy, can I have a big elephant over there? Don't want to comb my hair and wear my teddy bear. And, oh, Daddy, oh, hey, look at the cowboy coming there. Hey, can I have a pair of boots like that to wear? And daddy, can I have that big elephant over there? The time 